You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I want to start by saying that this is probably one of the messages, and I don't think I've ever said this, but it may be better for you to not take notes. Um, I'm going to be sharing a lot of scriptures, referencing a lot of scriptures, doing a lot of teaching today so we can gain some understanding. And I think sometimes we're trying to keep track with what's being said, then we actually miss what we were supposed to catch. And so I want to encourage you that we have the opportunity. Our messages are out on our podcast, on our app, usually by the end of the day, Monday or early morning, Tuesday. And I want to, I want to encourage you to just go back and listen and write down all those references. But today I want you to catch what I'm actually going to be sharing today because it truly has the power to set you free. And uh, so before I get going, I want to see by a show of hands of who's participated in a Freedom Weekend here before. Just show of hands. Not that many. So wait, now I need to see the opposite. So who's never been a part of a Freedom Weekend here at Awaken? Incredible. Oh my gosh, I'm even more excited now. This is so amazing, because I don't know if you know what's about to hit you. What's going to happen today has the ability to change your life. It changed my life so many years ago. When I was 26 years old, I was set free from demonic oppression. And so for the last 18 years, I've been living in freedom, an entirely different person. And so God has the ability to do that in your life. But I want to say that what, what I struggle with is there's a lot of churches that actually believe in freedom and deliverance, but they never talk about it from the platform. It's never publicly discussed for whatever reason. A lot of churches believe in the importance of it, yet they only do it behind closed doors when someone maybe comes to them that needs an encounter, a freedom deliverance encounter. And I think that's all fine and good to some degree, and we do the absolute, the same thing behind closed doors. However, if it's never publicly talked about or taught from the platform, how do you actually know that you might be under a level of spiritual oppression and bondage. And that was my story for 26 years. I grew up in great Christian churches, but I never heard a message on demonic oppression or how one can might be oppressed by the devil, even as a Christian. And so for 26 years, I want to say that I actually suffered really senselessly and needlessly because the moment I actually encountered, encountered a man and a woman that actually understood the demonic spiritual realm and understood how it can oppress your life, shared with me the truth. And in a moment, in the, under their authority, using the power and the name of Jesus Christ, I was entirely set free. I was set free from fear, uh, insecurities, control. I was so fearful, it dominated every single aspect of my life. Where I went, what I did, where I let my husband go, what he was allowed to do. I destroyed every single relationship because of the spirit of fear and the control that it then manifested into. And it was destroying my relationship with John until I was set free at the age of 26. So that's why I get so excited about Freedom Sunday when we do these kinds of things. Because for some of you, for many of you, today will be the day you finally realize why you seem to struggle. Why it's year after year you seem to have the same propensities and tendencies and things that you're struggling with and no matter what you do in the natural, you can never fully overcome and you can't be set free. Because we cannot deal with spiritual things and have a victory over spiritual matters with natural weapons. But I want to encourage you today that we have the right kind of weapons here, the supernatural spiritual weapons in this house today to break every chain and set every captive free. Amen? Are you excited? Are some of you a little nervous? 
don't be nervous. It's going to be great. And so today I'm going to do a lot of teaching so together we can understand uh, demonic oppression and how it can impact your life. So I'm going to be teaching a lot today and there'll be a little bit of ministry at the end. But we've kind of set it up this way for then on Wednesday night, we're going to have another freedom experience. And so for many of you, you're going to be set free in a moment and you're going to come back to just be encouraged on Wednesday. Some of you are going to leave here feeling inklings from the Holy Spirit that, oh, these might be issues in my life. And you're going to come back on Wednesday and get set free. You know, for others of you, this is going to be amazing information for you able to share with loved ones families and friends and co-workers that don't know they're actually dealing with demonic oppression. And so I want to encourage you all to be back on Wednesday night for the second dose of the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, so we're going to make it plain today. I'm going to answer some common questions that people have so we can all gain some understanding. So is there really demons and are, is there really a devil? Ephesians 6, 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and the heavenly places. And then 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, I understand that doesn't necessarily give us the warm and fuzzies. Okay, so some of us are really freaked out of the fact that there is Satan and he has an army of demons. And the Bible says his mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy our lives in John 10.10. So now so you're asking, well, if God's so good, why would he actually create the devil and these demons? So I want to answer that question for you today. God never actually, our loving Heavenly Father never actually created the devil, Satan, and his demons. God created angelic beings, angels, heavenly hosts. And we know according to the scriptures that angels were created prior to the, to the creation of the earth, prior to Genesis 1. Because in Job 38, 4 through 7, it tells us that these angels, the sons of God, were there to witness all of creation, and they were shouting for joy as they saw God create the beautiful heavens and the earth. And then Isaiah 14, 12 through 15 tells us that Satan, who was actually called Lucifer in heaven, was actually a good name, his angelic name in heaven. He was the shining star, the chief angel, the chief angel amongst angels. And, but Lucifer decided to rebel. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah 14 that Lucifer says that I will set, he wanted to set his throne above God's. So pride filled his heart, being the chief angel, being most like God, wanted to actually be greater than God. So pride filled his heart. He said, I will set my throne above God's. And the Bible says he wanted to climb to the highest heaven and be like the most high. And so he convinced a third of the angels to try to overtake God's throne in heaven. Yet we know he did not prevail. And this is described for us in Revelations 12, 7 through 9, how there was a war that broke out in heaven. And it says, and a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him, where we know, like we said, that he roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
And the Bible says that he is roaming around with great wrath. Revelations 12, 12 says that he is in the earth with great wrath because he knows his time is short where he will spend eternity in the lake of fire. So when, the, when Satan and his demons were cast out of heaven, God created hell for the devil and his angels. It was never meant for human habitation. So he comes with great wrath, and great wrath because he hates humanity. He hates you. He, he cannot stand the sheer face of you because you are created in the image of God, and he hates God. And he hates, he's, he's the complete opposite of God. So when he looks at you, he's reminded not only that you're created in the image of God, but where his eternal destination will be. So he comes after God's people with great wrath, trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And we see that because in the Bible, how quickly his mission is to destroy our lives. Because in Genesis 1 and 2, all the creation happened. God created Adam and Eve. And then by Genesis chapter 3, the devil was already here. So at some point, the, the war in heaven broke out. And it happened sometime before Genesis 3. Because right when Adam and Eve were created, it says the devil entered the serpent and deceived Eve and deceived Adam to eat from the forbidden tree where then death and sin entered the world. He wasted no time on his wrath against mankind. I know many of you are saying, okay, Pastor Becky, can we skip to the good part? Uh, 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 uh. If you watch reels, you know what that was about. So yes, let's skip to the good part, okay? So question, should we be afraid of the devil? No, why not? Because we haven't given authority. The Bible tells us in Luke 10, 19, behold, I have given you, 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 you get authority, you get authority, you get authority. I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And we don't have to live in fear of the enemy's power because 1 John 4, 4 says that you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he, Jesus, who is in us is greater than he who is in the world, our enemy. And so we must exercise our authority over the enemy. And when we do that, the kingdom of darkness must flee. He must flee. He has no other option than to flee when we come against him with the kingdom of God. So demons, unlike the flesh, they cannot be crucified. We cannot kill demons. They must be cast out. But I want you to understand that freedom and deliverance and the casting out of demons cannot substitute our daily walk in obedience to the Lord. We don't get to go dabble in all these demonic, wicked things and be like, oh, I'll just get freedom on Sunday. And then we come back and then we get freedom. That's not how it works. We, must cru we can crucify the flesh, but we need to cast out the demons. Amen? Amen. And so a lot of times, a lot of sincere Christians are using a lot of energy trying to suppress tendencies that are actually due in, to demonic behavior and is fueled by demonic oppression. And we see demons being cast out all throughout the Bible and actually in all of our daily ministry lives. It was actually, so Jesus combined preaching the gospel, casting out demons, and healing the sick as part of his normal daily ministry. So essentially, a third of Jesus' ministry was casting out devils. Yeah, yeah. 
And Jesus, when he sent out ministers to preach the gospel, he also always commissioned them to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And a couple examples we have in scripture is Mark 3, 14 through 15. It says, then he, Jesus, appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach, to have power to heal the sickness and to cast out demons. Matthew 10, 1 says, and when he had called his disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. So preaching and ministering the gospel without deliverance and healing is actually an incomplete gospel. You are saved when you come to know Jesus. You are 100% saved, absolutely. But you've only experienced a third of the fullness of the gospel message. Healing and freedom and deliverance is the fullness of the gospel message. So question number four, can Christians be possessed by a demon? Ooh, trick question. Possessed? No. Ephesians 1.13 tells us that when we become Christians, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and we are God's possession. However, Christians can be oppressed by demons. Absolutely. Some Christians would still try to um, argue this point, but for many of us who were saved and then we were set free from a demonic oppression, it's hard to convince us otherwise. So I just, by a show of hands, if you are in here and you were saved and then you were set free from a level of demonic oppression or demons, just show of hands. Yes. So many of us have experienced the fullness of the gospel message. Amen. Amen for that. So to, to give an example of this in scripture, there's a story in Luke 4. And it says Jesus was in the synagogue and he was teaching. So a synagogue is kind of like the church. And there was a man there who was following Jesus' teaching. So this man who's following Jesus' teaching is in a church. And when Jesus started to share the gospel message, the Bible says that this, the spirits, the demonic spirits inside this man who was following Jesus' teachings began to manifest. And the Bible tells us that the spirit that was in this man was an unclean spirit. So that tells me that this man at some point in his life had engaged in sexual immorality, whether it be adultery, pornography, or um, sex before marriage, perversions, or honestly, quite possibly, he could have been tampered with as a young child. And I think it's important to note, we don't always know how these demonic spirits can oppress our lives. It can be a lot of times through sinful behavior we actually engage in that open itself up for demonic oppression or it actually be terrible sinful acts that are actually done to us that open ourselves up to demonic spirits. It's completely unfair. It is cruel, but that is how the devil operates. But I want to clarify that a child is not... Actually, let me go back. I don't want to. I don't want to skip this part. So, so when Jesus is um, ministering, the demon begins to manifest and yelled out. The Bible says in Luke four thirty four, the demons inside this man began to cry out, and it said, "Let us alone! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God." 
And so more than likely at this time, when the demons were operating through him, he may have realized he was speaking, but we, he would have had no control over actually what was coming out of his mouth because it was the demons that were operating in him. And we know it was the demons because it's let us alone, which also tells us that he had more than one demon. Um, he, so this is a person that seems very bound by demons. And so I love Jesus' response. It says that Jesus rebuked the demon and said, be quiet and come out of him. There wasn't all this hoopla. He just asserted his authority and just cast it out. So that's what, happened when, that's what happens when the kingdom of darkness is confronted with the kingdom of light. It has to go. And the Bible said the demon threw the man on the ground. The demon came out of him. And then I love this bit. And the man was not hurt. I think sometimes we can get really scared of the manifestation or what may happen if we're getting prayed over. And I think sometimes we worry too much about what the manifestation may look like instead of the fact that the man was made free. And so today, I don't want to get caught up in the manifestations or the what ifs. How good is God that you're going to be able to be made free? That is what is important today. You know, demons don't always speak out. They like to usually fly under the radar, if I'm being honest. I'm about to give you some pretty dramatic stories about people who, that were bound by demonic oppression. But for the most part, demons like to fly under the radar. Because if all of a sudden you're at Connect Group and a demon's voice starts coming out of you and you start manifesting, it'll just be cast out. So, so the devil doesn't want to be cast out. The demons don't want to be cast out. They, they like their little home. And so they, they're not going to expose themselves unnecessarily. However, sometimes under the powerful anointing of Jesus Christ, they can't help but manifest. And so, and so if people started growling at me in the church service or their eyes were rolling back or whatever it may be, I'd be able to identify you have a demon. And now, because I've seen you, your time is up, period, done, dusted, out. So a lot of times, demons just suppress us with tendencies, with, with struggles, with anxiety or fears or depression or um, feeling rejected or you feel like there's like a death wish over your life or, you know, you don't have the confidence to speak out. God didn't create you to be any of those things. So those things are fueled by demonic oppression, but he's flying under the radar because he doesn't make himself so known by manifesting. So demons don't always speak out, but sometimes they do. And I know Pastor John and I were in a, participating in a deliverance with a few other really heavy-hitting um, deliverance ministers. And this woman had come to us because she wanted what was happening in her life to stop. And she didn't know why. Well, she knew why it was happening, but she, didn't, she couldn't stop it herself. She had no control. This was a woman who had had several generations that were heavily involved in witchcraft to the point of participating in sacrifices. And so this young woman had all these curses operating in her life. Her car would continually try to pull off the road, and she would have to try to get it back on the road. She would find herself levitating at times. Again, this is severe levels of bondage. This is not the norm. But it's so, it's so interesting just to know the destructiveness of the devil in people's lives. And so she came to us, and so we began to uh, operate in deliverance and freedom for her. And the other ministers who are known to have incredible authority in this area were, you know, ministering. And then the, the moment my husband, Pastor John, like said something, the demon immediately looked at him and said, you have no authority. And so knowing my husband and knowing that he has authority literally said, Luke 10, 19, I've been given authority over all the power of the enemy. And in the name of Jesus, I cast you out. 
The devils are always going to try to question your authority. If you understand your authority, because it's with our authority that they have to go. And so what's amazing is at the end of the service, we're going to have ministers that understand their authority and how to command the demons to go. And so this woman was powerfully set free in that moment. Another situation, it was two years ago on Freedom Sunday, I was preaching And a young woman, it was at the 12 o'clock service, so I'd preached at the 8.30, the 10, and the 12, and she kind of waited till everyone left because she just felt really just out of sorts. And she came to me and she said, "Um, during the service, I was feeling really sick to my stomach, I had a headache, and I just felt this urge to leave the room. She says, I didn't know why, I didn't understand. And then she went to turn to her friend to say, I need to go, and a, a demonic male voice came out of her. So she was obviously terrified. She started shaking at that point. She didn't understand about the demonic. She didn't know she had oppression in her life. And now all of a sudden, a male demon's voice is coming out of her. And so she waited till the end. And um, so we started, a, a, a pastor and myself just started ministering to her. Now, this was like eight hours into my ministry day. And so my voice was getting tired. I was getting physically tired. And for some reason, this woman was not getting set free. And so up until this point, I'd never spoken to a demon or even thought about doing that. I don't, I don't necessarily know if it's a good idea or not. But in this situation, I was just tired and I just needed to be done. And so I finally, because I couldn't get to the root of the demonic oppression or the gateway of where the demon came in. And so I was just like, who are you? And, and here's the thing. She didn't tell me her name because the demon knew I was talking to him. And so the demon responded who he was. So I knew the spirit that was operating in life. And I said, how did you get in her? And the demon said, I've always been with her. So that told me right then and there that it was from a generational spirit that had entered her from the time of birth. Because the Bible talks about in Exodus 21 through 5, and you can read it later, how demonic spirits can actually travel from three and four generations through the birth line. And so while we were operating in deliverance and freedom for her, um, I, you know, so, so I was speaking to this demonic demon. And so I like made him, I said, how did you get in? And it said uh, a man's name. And then I said, how did it get into you? And then they said uh, a female name. And so we, we tracked it back, and then she was finally completely set free. Her entire demeanor changed in her face, and she was lied, and she was, like, laughing. It was just the most amazing experience. But at the end of it, when she kind of came to, because she didn't fully understand what was going on, I said, who is this person and this person, um, the male and the, and the female name that she had said? And she was like, that's my dad and my great-grandma's name. How do you know that? And I said, well, the demons told me that that's how this actually was passed down to you. And she's like, she had no idea she said their names. And she goes, I actually, until you said my great grandma's name, I didn't remember that that was her name. And so we realized that it had come through the family line. And so we broke those generational curses and strongholds and she was set free. And so it's just, it's, it's crazy to me how the devil operates and how he can torment someone. from she, she had no idea why she struggled or had propensities or had these tormenting nightmares or, or sexual tendencies. She had no, she's like, this isn't like how I was raised, but it was the demon in her oppressing her and manifesting in her life. So I just want to say that no child is actually held responsible for the sins of those who have gone before them. 
How are they with demonic spirits? They may inherit the bondage or the propensity towards certain sins through the generational line. So that's one way that demons can actually enter into our lives. Um, so let's talk about some other ways. How do demons enter our lives um, or oppress us? So I want you to be reassured today. Again, you do not have to be afraid because I need you to know that demons cannot force their way into your life. They cannot force themselves on you or to oppress you. And they just can't enter your life at any given moment. They don't have the freedom to do that. They're legally not able to do that. It's not like these demons are like roaming around like, oh, they look like a good host. Oh, just enter in. Like that's, that's no, 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 no. I know sometimes people are like, they're afraid when deliverance is happening. They think the demon's like going to come into them. I'm like, no, it's not how it happens. The Bible says that you have to give a demon legal right to be there. Ephesians 4.27 says, nor give place to the devil. That word place is actually a legal foothold, an opportunity, a legal right to enter and occupy. And so evil spirits look for access points, a gateway to legally enter and occupy your life. And so I want to name a few of the areas to help us today. Um, obviously, one is ongoing sin. I'm not going to stand up here and say when you sin one time that a demonic spirit enters your life. I'm not going to say that. But you do open the doorway for potential demonic oppression. And if you continue to choose to engage in this ongoing sinful behavior, you will become oppressed. And the oppression gets stronger and stronger every time you engage in the sinful act, which makes it even more difficult to be set free. Sexual sin, fantasy life, pornography. Um, you... It's fueled by uh, spirits of perversion and lust. So you wonder why when you have these types of addictions or tendencies, it's so hard to break free in the natural with your own accountability and, and putting in boundaries and things like that because it's actually fueled by a demonic spirit. And so you have to cast that out. You can't just discipline yourself. You can discipline yourself, but it needs to be cast out and dealt with. Um, sex outside of marriage is a huge one. The Bible talks about... Um, in the intimate act of sex, to become one. You become one, like soul and spirit. So, so a, a person that's engaging in the sect of se or act of sex is actually, you're giving them legal permission for any demon or demonic oppression that's on that person to actually enter your life during the act. That's why the Bible is so serious about saving sex for marriage. So we're not all running around passing demonic demons to each other. But the good news is we can be absolutely set free and, and those ungodly soul ties can be absolutely cut off. In the power of Jesus, you can be completely clean and set free. Sexual abuse and, and molestation. So, so a lot of times when those things happen, obviously it's the trauma, enduring trauma, Demonic spirits can enter in. It also brings on a spirit of shame and self-hate a lot of times. Those are demonic spirits. And a lot of times during these horrendous acts, these uh, innocent children will actually wish they were dead. This is really common um, with these kinds of traumas. So in the act, they wish they were dead instead of having to endure it. And so because the devil is such a dog, I mean, how sick disgusting and horrifying is the devil that he will take advantage of that and then he will enter in those spirits of death and depression and that person is tormented their entire life because they put on themselves a death wish. <clears throat> a 
Unresolved anger, the Bible talks about in Ephesians, that's an incredible foothold area where, where the devil can come in. Unforgiveness. I say unforgiveness is probably one that many of us will need to deal with. There's a story in Matthew 18 that talks about the man that refused to release forgiveness. And because of that, he was handed over to the tormenting spirits. And there's a scripture in Matthew 6, 15 that says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So when we choose not to forgive, we actually then choose to come out from under grace, and we actually choose to stay under the curse of sin and law and punishment and judgment. And then we, when we choose to stay over here, we're not able to come under God's grace to be forgiven. Hebrews 12, 15 says, it tells us that when we fail to come under God's grace, a root of bitterness is planted. That root of bitterness will spring up, cause trouble, and the Bible says will bring defilement. And so when we choose not to forgive... It doesn't do anything to the person that harmed us. It actually poisons us to stay under a curse, to allow a root of bitterness that will spring up and cause our own defilement. Do they deserve to be forgiven? Probably not. Do you deserve to live free? Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you forgive, you are doing it for you and your soul so that you are not defiled. Amen? And a lot of times when there's unforgiveness, that root of bitterness will begin to operate in someone's life. And people that have unforgiveness with that root of bitterness, you'll actually be able to identify it pretty easily because their responses to things don't really match up with the offense. Like, like it's just their, their responses to things that happen are just seem overly energized and fiery. And they can't seem to manage their emotions um, in situations. They flare up. With people with unforgiveness and a root of bitterness, little is much for them in life. And that usually will indicate that there is some form of demonic bondage. And an easy way that I heard um, it put to me was, if you are not easily able to operate in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, if it's not very easy for you to do that, there are chances that demonic spirits are oppressing an area of your life because you're not operating in the fruit of the spirit. You're operating under a different spirit. Does that make sense? Another access point is divination and the occult activity. This actually gives direct access for demons to enter and occupy. So this is anything with fortune telling, horoscopes, mediums, palm readers, witch doctors, Ouija boards, witchcraft, and drug use. So those things automatically open you up to demonic oppression. But I want to clarify something. That occult behavior, it says, is the attempt to control another person by the use of any other spirit other than the Holy Spirit. So occult behavior isn't just Ouija boards and fortune telling. It is, it is if it, it's an attempt to try to control anyone out of any other spirit but the Holy Spirit. And this, this is a, a real thing for a lot of us, and I know it was a real thing for me. So I had family members that I felt were not, it's like 
I would get so frustrated for them because I felt like they weren't making the right decisions and they were letting everyone boss them around and, and they weren't assertive enough. And so I would, I'd begin to just tell them how to live their lives. You should not be doing that. You need to stop talking to that person and you need to tell them this and da, da, da. I just come and I think I'm helping. But then what would happen, I would start to get really angry and frustrated with this person every time I talked to them. And when I actually talked to Mike Connell, who's like the freedom and deliverance grandfather guru, he's like, Becky, you cannot do that. He goes, you are coming under a spirit of control. And you are using control to try to change that hurt person's behaviors. You are actually coming into agreement with the spirit of occult behavior. And I'm like, oh. So I was repented of that, and I completely changed how my dynamic was with family members and things like that, because I, I saw it happen. It was like I became someone I didn't like when I was talking to those individuals. It's because it was that demonic spirit that was fueling the thing I became in agreement with, which was control, because when I did that, sometimes they would do what I said. So I was cooperating with it. A cult is the attempt to control any person by the use of any other spirit other than the Holy Spirit. Emotional wounds, obviously abandonment and rejection are big ones. It can come through divorce or even an unwanted pregnancy. That spirit of rejection can actually rest on that unborn child in the womb. It can come through parents who are emotionally cold, that spirit of rejection. And so you walk around and you never feel like you're wanted or accepted or that you belong. You walk into a room and you already anticipate that you're not going to be able to find friends. So that spirit of rejection over an emotional wound. Abortion invite a spirit of death, depression, and grief. Trauma, accidents, loss. A lot of times with traumas and accidents and loss, a spirit of fear can come in. A spirit of uh, depression can come in, and that can really rest on you if you don't get healed and set free. One that you're not going to like is yoga. I just want to encourage you. Yoga at its root is Hinduism, which is demonic and it's full of idol worship. So all I'm saying is you're flirting with the demonic. And I just want to put that out there to leave that as a warning and for you to use your discernment on that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, inner vows are a big one. I think they go under the radar and they're not really noticed because they're not like the big ones, like the immorality, the drug use, the witchcraft. But honestly, inner vows have just as much power as a lot of those things. And this is what I mean by that. So, you know, when you're hurt, usually inner vows are made when you're wounded or traumatized, traumatized that I'll never trust a man. I'm never going to get married. I'll take care of myself. I'm never going to get that job. I'm never going to break through financially. All of these things are actually word curses because they come against the actual will of God. So you are coming into agreement with the lie, with the curse, and now you allow the demonic to operate in that area of your life. And so you wonder why you know, people that say, you know, and a lot of times this happens in homes with children where parents maybe abdicated responsibility or, or, or kind of weren't really taking care of their parental roles. And a lot of times kids feel like, well, I have to just do it. I'm kind of like the parent. I have to take care of the house. I have to take care of my brothers. And I, I'll just take care of myself. I'm just going to take care of myself. I don't need anybody to take care of me. I'll take care of myself. 
And those type of inner vows you see operating in people that while they find a loving person that they would really ideally like to commit their life to, they struggle with wanting to commit or even the idea of marriage because it, their core belief, I don't need them. I'm going to take care of myself. And so these people end up with uh, emotionally distant relationships. They can't fully surrender their lives to someone else in a marriage-committed relationship. So you can see how all these things play out. I have been set free from I'll never trust a man, and that's where all my, my trouble started with wounding and trauma. And so I said I'm never going to trust a man, which then led me to fear and insecurity, which led me to then control, to add the illusion of safety, and, and all of these things. And it was destroying all my relationships and my relationship with John, and I, was, I had to get set free from that. But a more recent one that some of you might find um, entertaining is I had to get set free from an inner vow of believing that all men were lazy. I know. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> You're not lazy. You're emerged men. We love you. We love you. But a couple years ago, my husband brought to my attention, he's like, babe, do you realize you're like all happy and then I walk in the room and like your demeanor changes and you just get annoyed with me? Like, God forbid I sit on the couch, like you like get all snappy and rude and whatever. I'm like, yeah, I do do that, don't I? And he's like, you need to go to God with that situation. <laughs> so I did. So, you know, my next time like with the Lord, I was just kind of like walking around my kitchen table and I was praying. I'm like, God, what is that? That's actually true. I feel like I'm having a great day, and then John comes home, and I just get all mad. I know. And so I go, God, Holy Spirit, like, that's not okay. Like, show me. Like, what is it? And as I was praying, I saw a vision of myself as a little girl. And my mom and dad, they had five kids in eight years. So it was a lot of us running around the house. And my mom, I remember I was standing next to the couch where my dad was seated, relaxing. And then I looked in the kitchen, and my mom was kind of spouting. She was so stressed. She was trying to cook dinner and pack all the five lunches and do all these things. So I'm, like, looking at my mom, who's, like, super stressed and overworked and could really use some help. And then I looked at my dad, who's just sitting on the couch with his feet up. And in my vision, I remember myself saying, men are so lazy. But in my age, I didn't understand. My dad was working two jobs, trying to support the family. He had had a 16-hour day. He just needed some rest, for God's sakes, and he put his feet up. But in my little mind, I made that all men are lazy. So seems silly. But then, fast forward, married life, always annoyed when John comes home, and God forbid he sit down. And, and here's the thing. John is extremely helpful around the house. Always doing stuff, helping me clean, cleans the kitchen, helps with the kids, bedtime routine, all of it. He's fully engaged. Extremely helpful. But it did not matter how much he helped me around the house because my core belief was that he was lazy. So that guy tried so hard to please me with always helping with everything, but it was never enough because my inner vow, ungodly belief, lie was that all men were lazy. So I always had this angst towards him to some degree. And so I just, when God revealed that to me, I just prayed against it. I canceled the curse and, and I repented and, and things completely shifted in our home. I was no longer annoyed with him every day. He was so excited. But they, I mean, these little things, 
Like, where have you sworn? What have you said? I'll never be like my mom and dad, only to find out you are. They're like become self-fulfilling curses over our life and those need to be broken. One last thing before I come to a close is I really want to address um, the difference between sickness and a spirit of infirmity, okay? So is all sickness a demon? So based on scripture, when you read the gospels, Jesus commissioned us to heal the sick and to cast out demons. So that tells us that there are two different needs and two different experiences. And when those that were sick came to Jesus, some were actually sick with a medical condition that needed to be healed. Other people came to Jesus who appeared sick, looking like it was a manifestation of sickness. But to those people, he said, you are loose from your spirit of infirmity. So sometimes it's a medical thing that you need to be healed from. And sometimes it's a spiritual thing that you need to be set free from. Yet both will manifest in ailments that look like sickness. So sadly, a lot of people are going around with sickness in their bodies, trying to get help from doctors and medications and treatment, but you cannot treat a demon. A demon has to be cast out. It cannot be medicated. And so there's a lot of people I think have gone on with sickness in their life, not realizing it was actually fueled by a demonic spirit of infirmity. And an example of this was when Pastor John and I were in Tasmania a few years ago, and we were ministering and operating in freedom and deliverance. And at the end of the service, the pastor walked this distinguished older gentleman up to me, and he said, he's been given three months to live, and he needs healing. And so before I just launched into a healing prayer, I've learned to ask a few questions. And so just with my questions, I learned that his... Uh, grandfather had died from the same cancer, his dad had died from the same cancer, and now he was dying from the same cancer. And so something in my spirit discerned that this may not be a medical issue. It was manifesting into a medical problem, but I believed it was actually a demonic spirit that had been passed down from generation to generation manifesting in a spirit of infirmity. And so he thought I was about to pray for healing. But the moment I said, in the name of Jesus, I come against the spirit of infirmity, this man in his three-piece suit began to scream out. He crumbled and fell to the ground. And so right then, so I just kept going after the, the demons and the demons actually left and the man was completely healed and set free. Like how, I mean, that just reveals to you like how good God is. Like God is so good. In that moment, even if God had to bring us all the way to Tasmania to minister to that man, to set him free so that he would not die from a spirit, praise God. When the spirit of darkness is confronted with the spirit of light in God's truth, it has to go in Jesus' name. We need to discern whether it's a sickness or an infirmity to help ourselves and to help other people. So who is deliverance for? Deliverance, I would say, is for people who have surrendered their life to Jesus or want to surrender their life to Jesus. Deliverance is for people who are ready to turn from their sinful behavior that got them into bondage in the first place. Because it does us no good to get set free if we have no intention of following Christ and going back to the sin. 
because the Bible tells us in Matthew that it's going to be way worse for us if we do that. So you actually need to be ready to go on the freedom journey, to not fall back into the trap, to open up those gateways that give the enemy legal right to be there. Deliverance is for people that are ready to live a life obedient to Christ. And deliverance is for people that when they fall into sin or they are disobedient, they are quick to repent and to ask for forgiveness and get back on the path of the straight and narrow. Amen. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to have you guys repeat a prayer after me. And we're going to assert the authority of Jesus Christ in this place and in your lives. And then I'm going to take a moment to pray over you while you just receive what God wants to do in and through your life. But before we do that, I want to say one last thing. Is that we're here and like, we're a part of the family of God. Like we're the family of God. And family members support each other, love each other, want people to get set free, want people to get healed. And so I really want us to be sensitive to what's going to be taking place. Because remember, it's not the time to try to question and figure out what that person may have engaged in if they start to manifest. Absolutely not. Because remember, sometimes it's not because of things we have done, but things that have been done to us. And as a family, we don't want anyone being tormented or their futures ruined because of demonic oppression. So we are here to love and support and champion and encourage one another along their way on their freedom journey. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. The presence of God is just really powerful. It's like hitting me up here. So I would just love if everyone would just close their eyes and just lift their hands to heaven. And I want you to repeat this powerful and simple prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I ask for your forgiveness and I release forgiveness to those who have hurt me. And I ask, Lord, that you renew and transform my heart and mind. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. I declare the finished work of the cross and the blood of Jesus over my life. I submit to the power and authority of Jesus Christ. So now, in the name of Jesus, I come against every demonic spirit and I break its hold over my life. Any wicked, evil spirit must go in Jesus' name. I come against oppression. I come against suicide. Every ungodly vow, every word curse, every generational curse. And I tell you, you are cut off. You cannot operate. I am a child of God, and he has set me free. 
in Jesus' name. And let me pray over you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I come against and I break every generational curse, every spirit of fear and every spirit of infirmity. You must go now in Jesus' name. I cancel every word curse against them and I break the agreement with every inner vow. I declare every demonic spirit with the occult, with divination, with witchcraft, witchcraft with sorcery is loose now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of perversion and ungodly soul tie is cut off. Any spirit of death, any spirit of depression are bound and cast out in Jesus' name. And I break every agreement with a lie. And in the spirit of bitterness and rejection must go in the mighty name of Jesus. And I declare over these people that the blood of Jesus has washed over them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. I declare the full authority and weight of the cross over their lives, over every situation and every circumstance. And I declare right now that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And the church said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.